Hey, welcome back to Into the Current Vertical Rivers podcast, where we talk to interesting people, have interesting conversations in the realm of marketing and business and culture and conservation. Eric, what has been going on? What's going on this week? Oh, it's fall. The weather's nice here down in Atlanta, and there's a lot of uh, sports going on, which is cool for people that like sports uh, like me. Yeah, there's a lot of sports going on. In fact, we've got it's kind of a unique moment in sports world where we've got a lot of the major sports all happening at the same time. Like what we've got basketball happening, football, NFL and college are happening. Baseball's happening. In fact, you told me just now that the Braves uh, are actually doing good in baseball. They, they swept. Yeah. Who'd they sweep? I don't know. I didn't they swept. Who did they sweep? Uh, I should be able to tell you. But Sorry it doesn't to put really you on the spot like but that. They, <laughs> but they, they swept. They're going to the second round, which is cool. Go Braves. We got NBA Finals, we have WNBA Finals, we've got football. The Bears just came back and beat the Falcons again, and another big blown lead for the Falcons. And you like that because you're you're a Chicago boy, huh? Like that because I'm a native Chicagoan, yeah. And I'm I'm sorry for the Falcons fans because that's bad, but we just grown to expect that from I those th- guys. I think, yeah, I think we're used to it here in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> but we're talking about sports because uh, this week's guest is is a sports broadcaster. And uh, it's one of your right. one of your buddies from when you uh, got your career started. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about Brian, our sportscaster guest? Yeah, our guest today is Brian Salmon. He is a uh, news sports news anchor out in Las Vegas. And Brian and I met working at CNN Sports Illustrated twenty years ago here in Atlanta. And uh, we're fast friends. Had a lot in common. That we'll get we'll get into some of that in the in the conversation today. And before uh, I stayed in Atlanta and have been here uh, since I came here in June of 2000, Brian left Atlanta in 2003 and uh, traveled a long road to become a uh, you know a, a primetime sports anchor, and he's done an incredible job. And, and you and told, think, you told um, me we we uncovered something interesting in the conversation. He's the only African American male broadcaster in Las Vegas or on TV in Las Vegas. That's the what only he black said, man yeah, on TV in Las Vegas. Yeah, That's, it was crazy. That that was something that really surprised me, and and we will talk about that, and we'll talk about Brian's experience being a black man and in, in in life and in the, the television broadcast industry. But yeah, that was that was nuts. I, yeah, I was not was expecting to hear that. Kind of surprising, but it shouldn't be surprising, I guess. You know, I think I think a lot of black people would say that's not surprising. Um, <laughs> so anyway, this was a great conversation. Uh, I'm we're excited to share this with you. I hope you enjoy. And so we moved to Atlanta in 20 and 20, 00, 2000. Oh. And there were Confederate. So the Confederate flag was still part of the Georgia state flag. And it was the thing that I found was really crazy. When I first moved, the first thing that really freaked me out about living in the South was that the state flag of Georgia was on the police cars. And that means the Confederate flag was on police cars in Georgia in 2000. And, I, and I'm white and I'm white. And that, that one, like, I couldn't understand that. It's absurd when you think about it. And how about this? People don't know. I mean, you guys are in Atlanta. Colleen, you live in Atlanta as well, right? Okay. So um, you're in Atlanta, and I lived in Stone Mountain. And at the time when I was in Stone Mountain, I think Stone Mountain was like, it's like 70% black, right? right. right. But uh, I had no idea of the history of Stone Mountain. I don't know if you guys know, but like Martin Luther King actually mentioned Stone Mountain in I Have a Dream speech 
because Stone Mountain was like the birthplace or head of the KKK. I'm like, what? The? I had like no idea. And Stone Mountain, I guess, has like a a clan or Confederate soldier or something like that up there, right? So, Robert like, Robert E. Lee, I believe, is uh, oh, carved in the side of Stone Mountain. General General Robert E. Lee is a, the 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 main Confederate general. Yeah. Fact, well, fact he, check us on that, but I think that's the truth. Man, he he did a lot good for the country, right? <laughs> nah, nah. So, so you you mentioned your Spitfire. So we're gonna play it, and then we'll then we'll come back and talk about it. Cool. Well, finally, my Spitfire is to all these folks on social media letting out their inner races. Sorry, had to be said. If you're upset because NBA, the NHL, or Major League Baseball players are using their platform to fight for equality, then you, my friend, are racist. Now, if you have a problem with me or any other black person saying my black life matters, just matters, not matters more, just matters, then you, my friend, are a racist. Sorry, it has to be said. Now, I'm not talking about a political group. I'm just talking about my life matters. If I'm shot and killed by anyone, including an officer while I'm asleep in my bed and nobody is arrested and you have a problem with my family or anyone else being furious about that, then you, my friend, are racist. And it just is what it is. I had to say it, had to get off my chest. Thank you for watching. We'll see you guys all next week. Have a good night. Again, jump, jumping right into this, right? So we, we're living in 2020. A lot of things happened that none of us expected, but a lot of these things have been going on for a long time. It's just not been all at once and not really been in the forefront. So you're, uh, you're black. No. You're black. Brian's a black uh, man. Two years. Two years. Who is a, a, a broadcast journalist, broadcast sports journalist, sports anchor in Las Vegas. And he has a platform. And so, Brian, like, tell us how tell us how you're using your platform specifically with these Spitfire commentaries, and specifically the one you did most recently. I think it was the first of September, and what and what you talked about. Well, first of all, the whole Sports Night Spitfire, yeah, it's a commentary where it's not just myself, but there are three of us in my sports department, and I came up with the idea. It's not like a idea out of anywhere. I mean, people, a lot of people do hot takes. Right. So came with the idea for us to kind of just get something off your chest, anything that you want to talk about, take your minute and talk about it. So um, I usually kind of go into it with something's kind of on my heart, on my head, like, OK, I'm going to make my spitfire about that today. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I've done someone, LeBron James, not being the goat, which he's not. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> I talk about that kind of stuff. But in that case, um, the one with uh the players kneeling or, or wanting equality. <laughs> Again, they're fighting for more than that, but I chose to keep it as something that's very, very simple. Like, I mean, there's there's no there's no debate on whether or not people should be equal. You know what I mean? But however, as you can well, as I told you and as I'll tell you now, some people had a problem with what I said. Like if you don't if if you don't think that people should be equal, then you are racist. I mean that's it's it's simple and plain. You know what I mean? Like if if that's like the definition of racism. You know what I mean? So um, if you have a problem with some like the whole Breonna Taylor, I kind of got into that. Like if you have a problem with someone being upset that their daughter was shot and killed by whomever, like how how do you have a, you can't you can, how, how can you have a problem with that? I, I don't understand it. So I had to say it. 
Um, and I got a lot of backlash from some viewers whom clearly I was talking directly to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I didn't go into it um, with the idea that I was talking to a specific person. But, of course, these specific people popped up and fell out of the sky as soon as it aired. So I actually did that, Spitfire. Walked back to my desk upstairs 10 minutes later. I had, like, three texts from some people that I know. Like, man, Brian, I love that. It was great for you to say. Like, man, I had a, a random tweet from someone who I didn't even know. A black woman was like, man, that was great. I, I, Someone had to say it. I'm glad you said that. But then I also had some guy, you know, like, you should be fired, basically, for saying that. I'm like... Okay, whatever. So, um, and if you've seen me on Twitter, I'm a, I like, I engage with people, man. Like, I, I'll, if you got a question, if you have something to say to me, I'll say something back to you. Now, I, I don't curse people out and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not stupid. I don't do like, you know, ignorant stuff with it, but, um, I'll challenge someone. So, you know, I'll challenge someone and be like, hey, uh, like, do you have a problem with equality? Which, that's not a tough question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, should not be. No. But of course, man, people find reasons to have a problem with things. Like, for instance, I did a spitfire on what happened with um, out in Kansas City for the first NFL game of the season. Yeah. Where fans, fans are actually booing for players locking arms, showing unity. Like, really? This is what we're booing now? We're booing unity? <laughs> like, Crazy. you have a problem with you? The, it's not like... The national anthem's not playing, so you can't use that narrative, which is a fake narrative anyway. But it's not playing, not flags, and I mean, it's just players out there showing that hey, we're united in uh, a fight against racism in our country, and people are booing. Okay, so like clearly we know who you are. You know what I mean? Like we know where right. you stand. We know who you are, and so I did a spitfire on that one as well. So yeah, I. I I try to use that platform to just talk about stuff that is close to my heart and that means something to me. It's not always political or around sports, but many times it is um, just sports. You know what I mean? But I, I, yeah, I'm a political dude, man. Like I have social. I'm more social than political. Like as far as like voting and all that kind of stuff, like who you vote for, all that, whatever. But I'm more of a social person because you know I've been across the country, man. I've lived in like ten different states, so right. I have a very good knowledge of different cultures in this country and how people act in this country. And I've been black for a little while, as you said, so. Yeah, your whole life, right? You've been black your whole life? I think, yeah, 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 for, for okay. the most part, yeah. I've, ever since I've known you. I've known you for 20 years. You've been <laughs> black at least that long. Hey, so I want to talk about, you mentioned a few things that we're going to talk about today, um, that you lived all over the place. I want to talk about your journey, your professional journey and your personal journey, because I think they're both very interesting. And then I want to talk about, I want to commend you. First of all, I admire you for using your platform. I want to commend you for that, man. That's That takes guts, right? Because you know that you're going to have people that don't like it and that, that could potentially have an effect on your income and your, your professional reputation. So I applaud you, man, for, for using your platform to do what's right. Thank and you, man. I, I, I think appreciate that, that. I think that's incredible. So along those lines, and since you're a sports guy and we're sports guys and that's how we met, um, I want to talk to you specifically about how today's athletes are using their platform to uh, talk about social and racial issues of justice and equality, which I think is really, that's really the conversation. You mentioned there's other things going on. There's police brutality. There's 
uh, voting oppression and voting su suppression, but there's a lot of gray area in those topics. But when it comes down to liberty and justice for all, which is, you know, what I believe in, and that's what I believe our country's founded on, that's a hard, there's not a lot of gray area in that. Liberty yeah. and justice for all, right? So that means everybody. So, yeah. but, I, but I, you know, and I've known you for 20 years, and I believe that if I, if I remember correctly, you used to wear a t-shirt back in the CNN's Sports Illustrated days, and we used to work till like two, three in the morning with um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Man, yeah, you remember that? Yeah, that's one of my yeah. favorite T-shirts, man. I bought that's it I at uh, that's what... South Dakota yeah. Mall. Yeah, so <laughs> so this isn't a new thing, right? So a lot of people are really upset, and they're all up in their feelings about athletes and what they think athletes should and shouldn't do. But we go back to the 1960s, right? So you got. Uh, Muhammad Ali in 1967 refused to be drafted into the Vietnam War, and yeah. he he was he didn't go to jail, but he didn't box for what a lot of people think were probably the and I see Muhammad Ali tried, behind you right tried, there. They tried to end his career, man. Try to end his career, right? Yeah. And so he stood up for what he, he believed. This is 1967, and so my math isn't great, but I believe that's more than 50 years ago. And uh, and then in '68 at the Summer Olympics, he had Tommy Smith and John Carlos. And put their fists up with the black gloves, yeah. and that's an iconic image, right, in sports oh, yeah. history. And now, and then you, you know, all the way up to what I think a lot of people focus on now today in 2020 is Colin Kaepernick, and that that started happening in 2016, right? So that's only four years ago. So we go from 50 years ago plus to four years ago, and now you got athletes like LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade. And specifically LeBron James, to me, who is really embracing yes. using a platform to advocate for social justice and activism. Yes. Um, but and, and that started a few years ago. Right. But now in 2020, I'm a big sports guy. You've got NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, even yeah. NHL, even. Yes. And now you know, the NFL and now the NFL. I mean, you've got signs in the stands. You've got the t the players wearing shirts. You got coaches got the pins on. You got the stuff on the court. Yeah. Um, what like you being a black man and being in this industry in us meeting in 2020 to now, like what do you think about how players are using their their voice and their platform? I I love I love how um, players are using their voice and platform. Um, and I, let me throw this in there too. I like the the kind of the road down memory lane or the trip down memory lane to kind of from Muhammad Ali, John Carlos, and um, but think about this: Jesse Owens, he did something way back, like what 1936, I want to say something like that. Just kind of I think it was in the 30s, yeah. Yeah, well, going up against Hitler because remember, you know, they're the superior race. So right. I mean, that was a huge political thing back in the day. So I mean, it's been going on a long time. Um, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, remember Chris Jackson? Right. His Chris former Jackson, name, that's right. He yeah. was praying, and they, I mean, he basically got blackballed out of the NBA. People forget about that, like for expressing his religious beliefs. Yeah, he didn't want to stand for the national anthem or whatever, right. and they they made him, I believe, and then so he decided to stand and just pray because he's you know he changed his name. He's Muslim. It's almost like Muhammad Ali in a sense, but just like basketball player, and that that's basically right. derailed his NBA career. But um, and then as you say, fast forward it to to LeBron James, whom as a player, you know, I'm 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 on the old Jordan side because I'm an old dude or whatever. I'm not on LeBron side, and Me I've too. dealt with him a few times here in Vegas. Um, 
and that didn't have like the greatest meetings with him. But the way that he like socially and what he like building the school and he has no problem speaking out about things that he has a problem with. And man, I that that I'm a huge fan of him in that regard. Like it makes me want to root for him. Makes me want to, but I'm not. But I mean, <laughs> the Lakers, as far as yeah, right. um, I I love what he's done. Um, like you say, WNBA players. Uh, you, I didn't, but good. Thanks for mentioning that. Oh yeah, yeah we had, we had an interesting. Uh, I, I'm sure you're probably aware of it. I don't know how much you followed it, but the the team here in Atlanta, the Atlanta Dream. Oh yeah, I, of course. And then, then one of the owners of the Atlanta Dream is Kelly Loeffler, who's a senator, who's a Trump, big-time Trumper, and makes yeah. no bones about it. And then, so you saw what the players did, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they basically want, I mean, well, first of all, she came out talking about how Black Lives Matter is divisive or just whatever. Right. I, and that's, again, it kind of goes back to my spitfire. We're all over the place, but... I'm sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. My mind kind of works like that. I'm sorry, but it, it almost goes back to my Spitfire. And when I said that if you have a problem with my black life mattering, not matters more, but just matters. You know what I mean? And someone's got a problem with it. She has a problem with the whole Black Lives Matter. Not the political group, because people want to, you know, place like the violent protest and all that stuff on the political group, but just the statement Black Lives Matters um, is controversial. Like, how is that? statement controversial like that's it's not right. a con me saying my life matters is not controversial you should know what be. i mean should not <laughs> it be. should be no and anyone that tells me they that it is or they have a problem with it i have a problem with them you know what i mean I, so i understand that yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah i do too i, I mean honestly I, I i have a problem with it too um and, and, you're a good dude man i know and i know you, you do i know you did you sincerely do <laughs> so um i appreciate that yeah, man. So, like, the players having a problem with that senator is absurd. Uh, or the the senator having a problem with Black Lives Matter is absurd. But right. getting back to the so, um, social media, our WNBA team, the Las Vegas Aces, who have a game today, as a matter of fact, to make right. it to the um, – it's dating the interview, sorry. But <laughs> have a date That's to cool. make it to the WNBA finals if they win. Right. Cool. But one of their players, her name is Angel McCautry. She is the one – that started um, and came up with the idea to have Breonna Taylor on the jerseys of the WNBA teams, the player from the uh, the, Las, the Las Vegas Aces, and she used to play for the Atlanta Dream. All right. So that's kind of a tie-in for that as well. But um, they've been they've been very 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 vocal and stuff that they've been doing on like their social media accounts, man. Like you got to change with the times, man. That's a way to to get to people and get. You know your words and and thoughts out there, um, whether they're positive or negative. You know a lot of people doing a lot of negative and a lot of people doing a lot of positive. Man, I I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, well, I, I I it's it's such a change. But like I said, I think and and thanks for bringing up Jesse Owens. I almost almost started with Jesse Owens that I didn't, and I'm glad that you went, that you took it back there. And it was 1936 Olympics, okay, where he did that in front of Hitler, and that honestly to me looking back into and we can go off on a tangent about education but that was one of the probably the coolest history lessons that i've learned i think it was probably fifth or sixth grade because i'm a sports kid right i grew up a jock and i was in in san jose at the time but that was one of the things that i remember from history class thinking was really cool that jesse owens went over there i believe it was in germany 
and just cleaned, Berlin, just sure, cleaned yeah. house. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> cleaned house in Berlin in the Summer Olympics right in front of Hitler. And I just thought that was the coolest thing as a kid and learning about the history of, of our world and racism and Nazis that that was, I thought it was like the coolest thing I'd ever heard at the yeah, time man. in my life. Um, so thank, thank you for bringing it all the way back to Jesse Owens. Well, well, and we didn't welcome. even talk about Jackie Robinson. Right. So, but man. so, so many things to talk about. I think it's great that the players are using that platform because they're trying to do something positive. I think. Yes. Right. Yes. And they do have a voice and guess what? They've earned it, too. Of course. And the, the, the whole shut up and dribble narrative, another thing that drives me bananas. You know what I mean? Like, as if the amount of money you make or, like, the amount of money you make uh, absolves you of going through stuff like what, um, I don't know, uh, uh, not Shannon Brown. What's Shannon Brown? Sterling Brown. Sterling Brown, basketball player, plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I want to say maybe a year or two ago. He pulled into like a Walgreens or like a drugstore right, right. and pulled into like a, a handicap space. Right. And the police came up and they gave him a ticket and asked him to move it or whatever. He's like, okay, whatever. So he, and it, it ended up being an altercation to where the police surrounded him and tased him and beat him up or whatever. And clearly he's a millionaire. I mean, he's made a lot of money. So, like, be, having money does not absolve you of going through the stuff that every day like black people go through with either law enforcement or with um, just going through, uh, I don't know, like going through the struggles of, of racism. Like it, it doesn't, I go through it. Like I've I had an altercation like a, you know, a couple months back. So like it, it, it happens. So for people to say that your athlete shut up and dribble, you can't talk about this because you don't know what you're talking about is, is absurd. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so yeah. I want to I want to ask you specifically about that. So so we we follow each other because we haven't lived in the same town since 2002 or three I think. Yeah. And then I, I've I've hooked up with you a couple times when I've been out in Vegas and we've gone out and had a good time. And uh, but I I follow we keep up on social media mostly right and text message and stuff. So I saw your involvement in a in a Facebook conversation today I think today. With somebody, oh. well, you were talking about you were trying to do a stand-up outside the Bellagio, and a <laughs> yeah. cop cop walked up and tell tell us about what happened on that. Oh yeah, no, this is uh, um, I told uh, I told the people at work because I was working and one of my coworkers was with me. So what happened? Basically, it was the um the day that the NFL draft was supposed to be here in Las Vegas, right? So my idea was like, okay, I'm gonna go do a stand-up in front of the Bellagio and be like, hey. This is where the NFL draft was supposed to be. There was supposed to be a big day here in Vegas. But as you can see, there's nothing going on. This is during the pandemic. So this is like March, whatever. I don't know. And um, so there's there's nobody on the strip. Like it's, it's pandemic time in the very beginning where you nobody out there. So there's a, an officer parked in his car in front of the Bellagio. Just lights going. Just, you know, they're parked up and down the strip for during that time just for whatever reason. So um, myself and my coworker, he's driving behind me in his personal vehicle. I'm in my personal vehicle. I have my daughters are in the car, right? So I went down there to go shoot this stand-up really quickly before I went into work just to kind of um, transfer the, the kids to my wife so she, you know, whatever, she can pick up the kids. So that's why I had them with me. 
So I'm driving. I drive by this officer who's already in his car. He's parked. I pull up in front of him. I stop. My coworker pulls up in front of me and stops. I get out the car just to kind of like, hey, um, just let you know, uh, I'm getting ready to shoot a, a stand up here in front of the Bellagio. I work for Channel 3. I've got a polo shirt on, a black polo shirt on. It's got a Channel 3 logo right here, right? And um, getting ready to shoot a stand-up just, you know, for the NFL, blah, blah, blah. Like, get, get, don't get out of the car. I'm like, don't, don't walk towards me. I'm like, what are you, what are you? Hey, I'm just, I work for this news station. Like, I, I approach you. I work for the news station. I'm just coming to do, come to the car. I'm like, okay. So, so I'm standing in front of his vehicle. And um, he's like, do you have your ID? I'm like, so I kind of pat my hands on my, like, the front of my pockets. to be like, get your hands away from your pockets. And almost like kind of, not like reaches for a gun, but almost like he's reaching for his gun. I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me. Like, seriously? So at this point, I already, like, I've been through this drill before or whatever. So, like, I kind of just kind of put my hands on the hood just to, like, okay, my hands are here. You know what I mean? Like, don't trip out. I was like, listen, my ID's in the car. My daughters are in the car. You see my shirt. I work for Channel 3. Like, I'm literally on billboards in Las Vegas. Like, yeah. I'm on TV every night. You know what I mean? I'm the only black man on television in Las Vegas doing anything. So it's not like, so I'm like, okay, listen, man, I, I'm just coming here to do the stand-up. Um, I don't want you to walk back to your car. Uh, so he's like, I have to treat this as a traffic stop. I said, what are you talking about? What? I have, to, I, have to, I have to run your name through the, the, the thing. Like, you got to be kidding me. So at this point, like, I'm upset, clearly. Like, I'm upset. But and like I said in that Facebook post, if I show how upset I am, then that would have been a completely different scenario. Like, it would have, like, because obviously you, you can't you ask me for my ID. This is not a traffic stop. I approached you. You didn't pull me over. I just came over to talk to you. You know what I mean? Just to give you a courtesy heads up that I'm getting ready to... Um, do a stand-up. My coworker's right here in front of me. You can see his car right there in front of mine, and uh, that's my cameraman, right? So I'm like, whatever. I just I give my name anyway. She runs my name. Two more cop cars pull up. So I'm standing there, literally out in the. Again, it's March. Hot. This is Las Vegas. It's pretty hot outside, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, like I left my car running because my daughters are still in the car. Right. This time, right? Um, so I wait like a half hour out there. He goes through all this. He finally gets their information. It's like, okay, you can go ahead and park your car right up there. You guys can do your thing. Like, really? So when I walk back to the car, this is the thing that really killed. I walk back to the car and just kind of open the back door to look at my like, daughters and they're bawling, crying. Like, oh, oh my yeah. God, Dad, I thought something was going to happen to you. I thought you going to be okay. There's seven and five, seven and four at the time. And I, I didn't even think they could see anything, you know what I mean? But still, they, I was like, wow, that really just happened. Like, that really just happened. Like, really? And that's that's an example of, like, an officer escalating a situation, like that video that I put on my Facebook page. Like, really? You had to do all of that because I came over and asked you, or just to give you a heads up, like, hey, I'm from the TV station here in town. I'm getting ready to stand on this public property on this sidewalk and do a stand-up. And now you, you need my ID and stuff. Like, come on, man. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's, that's ter that's a terrible story, man. It was man. it was absurd. I'm, gl was I'm glad it didn't get worse. Um, but but the the question that I have, or or at least where my brain goes in that story is, like, what if you really needed help? Like, what if what if something was wrong with your daughters, 
and you pulled up in front of a police officer because you saw a car and you ran up to the car and you were frantic because your one of your daughters was having a, a health issue. Yeah. Like, how would that have gone down? You know what I mean? And it's like that 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 is a good illustration. I think when people say that, you know what, black people, you don't you don't have that big of a problem with police. Like that that's <laughs> that's the to me, that's like there it is. Oh man, and that's that's a that's a that's a light uh, G-rated story of stuff I've been through. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I've been I've been pulled over at gunpoint before. I've had a I've had I've had four cops around. Like when I was a teenager, man, I mean, maybe twenty years old. I don't know, nineteen, twenty years old. This is like the worst story. I'll tell you this. Why, why not? Um, and this is in Seattle, right? So if two of me and two of my friends went to this. It was like a nightclub. It's like an eighteen and over nightclub, right? And this is how old we are. <laughs> this is back when we had pagers, right? Yeah. And so uh, I had a Sir Mix a lot back then, probably in the uh, early nineties. Huh? <laughs> Seriously. So you couldn't bring pagers into these nightclubs because drug dealers had pagers, whatever. So um, I kept it in my car. So we it gets out. Me and my buddies walked in my car. And I grabbed my, I had like a, it's terrible too. I had a fanny pack. I didn't wear it, but I had a fanny pack. I kept all my stuff in it. It's in my car. I never right. wore it like a fanny I wore it on my shoulder. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. LeBron had a fanny pack. Leave me alone. Yeah, LeBron. <laughs> I mean, LeBron have one that's probably cost $1,000. He's got Gucci on. I know, on I know. So uh, I grabbed my pager out of the fanny pack and I put it on my pants and I get in the car and I go to drive. So I'm pulling up in front of this place and all of a sudden I look up and there's literally like, there's two cops in front of me, two behind me. Their guns are on. Get out of the car. Get out of the car. I'm like, what in the, what's going on? Like I, I immediately I'm scared. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, literally they're frantic. So I'm like, oh my God, what, what the heck's going on? So being that I've been pulled over before, like, uh, I think the windows rolled down and maybe it's not, but I yell out to him. I was like, you know, I got my hands out the window. I'm like, Hey, uh, like, man, what do, you, what do you want me to do? Like get out of the car. I'm like, okay. So I asked him like, how do you want me to open the door? You know right. what I mean? It's like, take your left hand, open the door, whatever, right hand, open the door. So I go to open the door and I go to get out and my car kind of jumps forward. Cause I never oh. put it in park. Oh, no. I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, yo, my car's still in drive. Like, how do you want me to do this? I'm asking questions. Like, go ahead, do that. I do that. We end up in the middle of the street on our knees, all three of us. They search my car. And uh, then they're like, hey, um, we got a call that uh, you had a gun. So someone from the club thought that my pager was a gun that I put it on my waistband when I got in the car. So, <laughs> yeah, they're like, we're sorry, man. You're like, sorry, we thought you had a gun. Someone thought you said you had a gun, blah, blah, blah. You guys can go. It's like, wow. Like, that's, I literally thought I was going to die. And this is the craziest thing. One of my boys that was in the car with me, his dad is like a, was a cop or something, whatever. He used to actually carry a gun. He had a concealed weapons permit. He's like a little older than me or whatever. So he had a legal gun, concealed weapons permit, and he always had it or whatever. But thankfully, he didn't have it in my car at that time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I could have gone bad. I mean, they would have checked for everything, but still, it could have gone bad. Um, but yeah, that was no, <laughs> that was I, the scariest time I ever had. And I don't think that this should necessarily change any perspective on what I'm about to say with you. But I've known you for again 20 years, and as far as I know, you I know you don't drink now. 
alcohol never, like, at uh, all. And you and I have been out in nightclubs together, and you literally do not drink alcohol, not a drop. I've never seen you drink a drop of alcohol. Yeah. And you and this is something like that's that's you your whole life, right? You're not yeah, like a big nah, partier. You're not a like wild and out type of guy. Like you're a chill nah, dude. I mean, like yeah. I got fights when I was a kid. I mean, whatever. But like I've never been high. I've never I've never smoked weed in my life, which I don't have a problem with it. But I've never smoked right. weed. I've never been drunk. I've never been. I've never had a shot. Right. So it's not like you and your boys are like acting crazy and oh no nah, spinning nah. donuts in the parking lot and <laughs> drunk and you know. Nah, I mean, yeah. I was a dumb kid. Like, I've done dumb stuff, right. but never anything like that. Like, I've never, yeah, I've never done, like, illegal. You're, and, good, you're a good dude, and this shit is happening to you. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was an athlete, man, so I always thought I was going to be, like, a professional athlete or something. I, I was I was tame. Like, I had, yeah. like, a quick temper for whatever, like, personally, like, playing basketball and, you know, fights yes, happen, playing pickup yeah. games, stuff I, like that. that. But... Like, I, no, you see that. <laughs> I've seen that temper in basketball games. Well, hey, um, so so thank you for it, because I was going to ask you about your personal experiences with racism. So thank you for for beating me to it. Um, you, you also <laughs> I'm mentioned. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> you, no, perfect, man. You also mentioned that you've lived in, I think you said, 10 different states. I'm more, actually. More? Wow. Yeah. So what I, what I wanted to ask you about with that, and this this really kind of goes back to your professional experience, is um, I think a lot of people think, and, and I thought this before I met you when I was in college, I was like, I want to be on ESPN. I want to be a sports anchor. <laughs> and then I found out what you had to do to be a sports anchor, and I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so A lot of people do that. Yeah, and so you and I met not, you weren't trying to be a sports anchor when we first met. No, I was. But. Oh, okay. So, but yeah. we we were editors. We were behind the scenes guys. Yeah. But um, why don't you talk about a little bit what it's like, kind of behind the curtain in the sports business, on on what you actually have to do to be an anchor, and then you being a, a black man, where you had to go, which I believe was your first your first job was I think in Montana, wasn't it? Yeah. And I've been to Montana. When I was in Montana, I spent a week there. I didn't see a black person in Montana. I'm not oh, I'm not wow. exaggerating either. Not one single person. Yeah, so, where'd you go? Uh, I went to Billings and Bozeman and um, uh, where else did I go? Well, like kind of south central Montana. We were fishing. We were yeah. out in the out out, but there's not a lot of people in Montana, really. No, not a lot of people, and definitely not a lot of. I mean, like if you look up Google, like the the ratio or demographics, I think it's probably like point oh oh one or some crazy or whatever. It is, it's something small. Yeah, it's a small population, and it's it's almost entirely white. Um, I yeah. had a real good experience with the people in Montana. I don't want to say anything bad about Montana. I think Montana's great. But, Nicest people anywhere I've ever lived, by far. Yeah. So, but but talk about what it's what it's really like. Like if we were working at CNN Sports Illustrated, which at the time was the number two twenty four hour sports network in the in the North America, at least. Yeah, man. Good and we days, we were there when they turned the, when they faded to black. We went downstairs yeah. at Jocks and Jills and had a party where Brian didn't drink anything. <laughs> but but what what was it like to tr to go from being an editor to to you know I know you were doing high school stuff here in Atlanta. It was kind of where you're you're getting you your, your that, take on. You man, dang e, I and love then, the research, man. And then uh, it's all up here, man. This is a personal experience. And then, uh, and then what, what you had to do to get to where you are today, to be the guy in Vegas on billboards. 
Um, that's crazy. That to me, that was the craziest thing ever. I don't know. I I I was all. That was like a like I don't know like I felt like I made it when I got like I want a billboard like that's crazy like I'm in Las Vegas on a billboard like that's insane. It's my big old head on a thing or whatever. So um, yeah, man, it, it's it's a tough road, which is something that I I tell uh, interns, people that I talk to that I've come in contact with. The first question I ask them like, hey, I want to I want to be on TV. I want to do whatever. Like, are you willing to move anywhere in order to pursue your dream? That's the first question I ask. And if the answer is no, then you don't really want to do it. You know what I mean? Are you, and then like somewhere down the line, are you willing to be broke? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so when I left, so I, I left CNN SI in Atlanta, like I said earlier, Stone Mountain, 70% black. I moved to Missoula, Montana. Atlanta, Georgia, Missoula, Montana. Um, it's a little bit of a difference culturally, just, huh? Just a tiny bit. And I remember like folks at CNN, I was just telling somebody this yesterday. They used to make fun and call me number five, like before I left, because I was going to go to Montana and be like the number five, like the fifth black person in the whole state. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five, man. Have a good time in Montana. Um, so, uh, yeah, what, man, what, you have to. What's up? What, what was your salary in Missoula, Montana? That's what first, I was first job I you made, I made 22000 I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, I, man, I was rolling in it. Because <laughs> we, we weren't making a lot of money at CNN, at least I was, and I don't know if you were making more than me, but when I started that job, my first my first salary there was $25,500 when I walked in the door. Man, I well, I was there longer than you, so um, I think were, I I think I, you, I made, I want to say 28 when I left. Oh, you were balling, man. I was, woo, I had, I had my own apartment. <laughs> and it's so about I would have maybe I paid six hundred bucks a month. Oh, that, since we're days. going down memory lane, it's way off on a tangent. When I lived, uh, quick, quick trip, quick is that the name of the gas quick station trip. in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gas station in Atlanta, quick trip around the corner from where I lived. Take a wild guess how much gas was a gallon. It was one dollar and five cents. It was like sixty-seven cents a gallon. Sixty-seven cents. Man, that is cheap. I, I had a Saturn. You're old, man. We're old. Man, I could fill up my car with like ten bucks. Ten so, bucks. Like, so you anyway. so you go you go to you go to Missoula, Montana. You're you're probably the only one of very few black people in Missoula, Montana. You say that, and and I I, I know some people in Montana. They're great people. So like, what was what was that experience like? In and how was it just to to get your kind of feet under you? Being up there doing doing what high school sports? Uh, yeah. Well, the big thing is that okay, they have the University of Montana, which is there. So the Montana Grizzlies, and they're good football right, team, right? Yes. Right before I moved there, they won the um, Division One Two A national championship. Right. So they're coming off a national championship. Their basketball team has been to the tournament a number of times. Um, they've even won a game or two. Um, so. They have they have like some brothers that are on the basketball team or on the football team, but as far as like just living there, just regular people, there's not a lot. And going there, I mean, I hate even, I hate hate to even say it like this, but like I was like the perfect person to go there because I knew going there that I was going to represent all of Black people to the people of Missoula, Montana. You know what I mean? Like I was going to be like one of the only Black people that they would ever meet, and I, you know that maybe the first. 
they, you know, people thinking I'm Kobe Bryant kind of a thing because they don't know, you know, they, they don't have any interaction with black people. So um, I kind of knew that I had that responsibility. And I also knew that most of the people there, they weren't going to treat me like a guy that they would see in the mall or something. You know what I mean? Because, oh, that guy's on TV. They see me on TV. Um, I'm different. You know what I mean? So, um, and you know me too, man. Like, I, I get along with everybody, man. Like, I'm, you know, I don't have a problem with anyone that doesn't have a problem with me, ever. You know what I mean? So, like you said, Montanans were, like, the nicest people anywhere I've ever lived. Um, and like being a black man, it, it was it was different. It was, you know, it, it was somewhat, I didn't think it was a huge burden, like, doing all that stuff that you I just told you I had to do, like being responsible for being all of black representation for all of Montana. It wasn't that difficult to me. So I had a good time, man. It was, uh, and I think I really, I remember meeting uh, a black girl who ended up getting a job at my old station years after I had been there. And I kind of, I feel like I'd like laid the foundation. Like, oh, okay, I guess it's okay to hire black people up here in Montana, you know? And kudos to the news director at the time who, who, um, like, you know what, hey, I can hire this guy up here or even consider hiring me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and honestly, kudos to me for taking a damn job to move to Missoula, Montana from Atlanta, Georgia, a place I had never been to. It's not like yeah. they fly you in for an interview. You do an interview over the phone. Like the only yeah. time I had ever been to the state is when I, I got a <laughs> U-Haul in my car in the back of the U-Haul driving. You were going, in. man. There wasn't no turning back. No, like I signed a contract. I did all of that from Atlanta, and I'm, right. I'm moving to Montana, man. So when was that? Was that 2003 or four? I want to say 2003. And three, okay. I want to so say you, 2003. So you go, you you do how many? How long are you in Montana? Two years in Montana. In two years in Montana, and so yeah. so the the way that you get from uh, 2003 to Missoula, Montana, to what you're doing. So uh, two weeks ago, you were at the kickoff of Allegiant Stadium, Monday Night Football, Raiders and Saints. So how do you, so without going, taking too long, you go from Montana to where, to where, to where, to Vegas? Okay, so Montana to Beaumont, Texas, Beaumont, Texas to um, Las Vegas the first time when I worked at the ABC affiliate. Right. They cut sports, so I end up having to leave, which is absurd. So uh, Vegas to Eugene, Oregon, Okay, that's right. You were in Eugene. That's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, Eugene, Oregon to New Orleans. Um, I loved it. Loved it. We already talked about New Orleans. New Orleans to Boston. Um, Boston to like Allentown, Philadelphia. That's right. You were like in a, Philly too. That's right. Like a short stop. I was only there for like, it was like the worst job ever. But I only went there kind of like a anyway for a second, and then from there back to Las Vegas. To Vegas. So yeah. one, one, one thing before we jump into Vegas that I always thought was kind of crazy, and this is, again, me being a fan of you on social media, Uh-oh. is that when you were in Boston, you, I think, were the only sports media person that was, like, trolling Bill Belichick on social media that I know of. Do you remember do- me doing that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I was surprised, but I thought you were going to get some flack for that. Did you get flack for that? Or not? I, I wasn't. I didn't go too hard. Like, I... I because I remember, um, do you, you probably remember this picture. I have a picture of my very first time ever doing an interview with Bill Belichick. Is one of those group. And he's standing there and everyone's around. And the video, which aired on our station, 
my face looks like this. Like I'm, I look like this. Literally, I got like a microphone. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I just, I don't know. I went in with the uh, idea that he was just an ass, and he wasn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he really wasn't. I, I, I came to know that basically all the sound bites of him being like disgruntled and kind of an ass. It, he was only like that to Michelle Steele, bless her heart. She does a great job. She's a reporter for ESPN. And he knew that she worked for ESPN. So anytime she'd ask a question, basically, he would say some smart something, whatever, whatever. And that's the soundbite that would end up on ESPN. And that's how I knew Bill Belichick before I got there. But okay. after I got there, like he never said... I would ask questions in press conferences, and he would never say anything crazy. You just know what kind of questions you can ask him. You know what I mean? You have right. to ask, you have to ask him football-related questions. Like if you ask him a football-related question, he'll give you a, a good football-related answer. That's you know it's um, thought out and, and you know whatever. Right. Um, if they lose, and you ask a question like about a player, like what if they did something that was dumb or they made a mistake or something like that. He's never going to answer that question and throw a player under the bus or whatever. Um, and he's already mad, so he'll mumble. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, anyway, that was a good – I did kind of troll him a tiny bit, but I didn't go hard because I didn't want all of Boston to – I was worried. I was scared for you, man. I was scared for you a little bit. I thought and I was a gonna... Patriots reporter. So I, like, I, I went thought somebody was going to come get you, Yeah, no, that was yeah, – They that don't was play something. up in Boston, man. They don't play. They do not. Boston has a reputation. Yeah, they take it <laughs> serious up there, man. The Patriots yeah. and the Red Sox. Um, so you so you come back to Vegas, and you when do you get back to Vegas? 2017 or 18? No, 17. Okay. 17, yeah. Come back to Vegas in 17, and so so we're going to talk sports business right now. 16, 17. So you come back to Vegas. Two major things have happened. Well, more than two major things. Some major things have happened in the sports industry from a business standpoint in Las Vegas since you've been back. So you must be good luck for Las Vegas, man. Exactly. It's definitely been good for you, I know. So um, so at that time, the Raiders, right, have been – they've started in Oakland. They go to L.A. They go back to Oakland. We talk about how the worst stadium – there's always, you know, the Raiders going to go to L.A. Are they going to stay in Oakland? Are they going to go somewhere else? Some people start talking about Vegas, right? So that's that's in the works. And I don't know, was it was it officially it was, it, decided? It was already, it was already signed. Um, it, they were already going to come here, and the stadium had already had – they hadn't broken ground, but they were already going to come here. So you they knew that was happening. Yeah. They get, Vegas gets a hockey team, the Knights. Yes. Right here for the first year of that, yeah, yeah. Vegas is a hockey team tonight, and they're and they're immediately good. They go they go to the NHL finals in 2018, right after you get there, right? So no, I, I covered it. Yeah, that I yeah. was just crazy, crazy. And then the other the other big thing that I want to talk about and kind of get get your your thoughts on is the rise of legal sports betting. Yeah, and outside of Vegas. Yeah, right? yeah. How about this, been, really quick? Do you do you ever watch that show that's on ESPN, the uh, betting show? Um, I think it's called Daily Wager. I know what it is, but I don't watch it. No. Well, the guy who hosts that show, his name is Doug Kazarian. Yeah. Doug is my former coworker. Doug and I were um, the sports department my first time here at the ABC affiliate. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he's doing the so show on ESPN now. 
Yeah, yeah. He left that station to ESPN. He had a better track than I did. <laughs> yeah. He went uh, to ESPN when I went to New Orleans. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big betting guy, so yeah. I don't. I don't think you are either, so that's why you didn't get that gig right there. That's why. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we got all this stuff going on, right? You got the Raiders in town. So Vegas now, Vegas went from being just a gambling city, and the only, again, I'm 45, you're 47. Only sports connection to Vegas in, in my life before just the last few years was like, you go there, sports book, you get to play some bets. And so, like, so if I'm in Vegas for whatever reason, like, I might lay some money on the Bears and ones. And I'm not talking about a lot of money, but it's just kind of a fun thing, right? You might go to the sports book. You might go there for um, March Madness. But sports had kind of been out of Vegas. So now Vegas is, like, the new hot hot place for sport, for pro sports. And I think you guys, you got a, a minor league baseball team. I saw you doing some work at the stadium. Oh, well, yeah. Well, they were here. They actually – we have a minor league baseball team. Actually, had a um, a minor league hockey team my first time here. So they had hockey before. Right. There's also a NASCAR track. Right. And then remember the the NBA summer league. Right. Um, you and I've been to, you and I've been to summer league games before out there in Vegas. Yep. 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 At, uh, at UNLV, I'm a big UNLV fan. That was my team, the Running Revs. Man, my Stacy Augman, Larry Johnson, Mo Scurry, Greg Anthony. Yeah, no. Anthony. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, but sports betting was like definitely the, I mean, the strip and sports betting was definitely like the, the, um, the draw of Vegas for the most part. And it's huge now, like you're saying, man. So what, how is that change in Vegas and how is that change in the sports business and just business in general? And for you, you know, covering how, like, what's the business effect of the last few years in Las Vegas? Well, I think the the business effect is, is one, um, it helps me and what I do in the fact that TV stations aren't, they don't think that sports is, um, is, uh, disposable. Like for instance, like I said, when I worked at the ABC affiliate here in town, I left there in 2009 because they told me that they're going to cut sports. Like my contract came up, they told me they're going to cut sports. So I ended up leaving Doug, who was still there at the time, his contract had like another year before they ended up cutting sports and he ended up getting a job at ESPN. But so, they um, they wouldn't do that now because one sports betting is a huge part of sports now. So you need a sports right. anchor that knows this kind of stuff and talks about it. And sports teams are here, so it's it's a huge part of it. Enabled me to come back. You know what I mean? Um, so it, and then also you think about um advertising, like it's all about money. Like TV stations, the sports segment that I do. On Channel 3, KSNV, News 3, Las Vegas, this is my plug, uh, is that um, the, the sports segment I do is sponsored by Station Casino Sportsbook. Right. You know, so these TV stations and sales, they're making money. William Hill. Um, I mean, they so much advertising. Like, sportsbooks are crazy. I can tell you this. When I was here the first time, the NBA had their All-Star game here, 2007. That's right? right. And Oscar... Goodman was the mayor of Vegas, and um, his dream was to have professional sports here in Vegas. And at that time, when uh, Stern came here, the whole thing, we had to barrage, man, when is the NBA going to come to Vegas? When's the NBA going to come to Vegas? And he hated uh, Vegas sports books and betting 
gambling. It was so taboo. He hated it. And that's why the NBA never came here. That's why they weren't here first. This is how much he disliked it, is that the Maloofs. I don't know if you, right. the Maloofs, yep. they owned the Sacramento mm-hmm. Kings at the time. Kings, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they also at the time owned the Palms Hotel. Right. They right. made them not put the Kings on their sports book, um, on their board. You couldn't bet on the Kings at the Palms Hotel. At the Palms. That's crazy. That's absurd. And this is the thing that people didn't know then, and they know now, if anything's ever going to happen with some kind of scandal with betting and something like that, it's never going to happen in Vegas. Like the way that the, right. the way that the, the, the bookmakers and their security and everything else, there's it would never, ever, ever happen here. It happened somewhere else, but not in Vegas. It it's probably the most regulated place to gamble, right? Um, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the regulations and stuff that they have here, you're never going to get over on a sports book here in town, like right. fixing games and stuff like that. Right. Never. So, happened. so this, so that here, here's another interesting thing I want to talk about. So I'm glad that you mentioned David Stern, who's widely regarded as, as the mastermind of the popularity of the NBA from, oh, yeah. a, from a business standpoint, you know, you and I, we're the same kind of guys. We're old school. I'm a Jordan guy. I'm from Chicago, but Jordan magic bird, yeah. Mark Lee, Hakeem, the Dream, Clyde Drexler, all you know, all those guys from the eighties, yeah. right? Eighties and nineties, early nineties. But so it's funny that to me that Stern was so progressive in growing the game of basketball globally, right? And the Dream Team had a lot, lot to do with that global popularity of basketball. But but he was very conservative where it comes to betting, right? Yeah. So, but if you look at what's what just happened in the last three weeks. Baseball has been the most conservative sport regarding betting. And so everybody or most sports fans know about Pete Rose. Oh, yeah. And, and betting and, and yeah. being kept out of the Hall of Fame. And nobody disputes that he's one of the greatest baseball players to, to play. Yes. But but he, he got in trouble for gambling. So the story that just came across three weeks ago is dated September 3rd. And I'm again, I'm a Chicago guy. DraftKings signed a deal. Did you, did you? I sent you this link. Did you see yeah, the no, story? I looked at it. Sent DraftKings signed a deal with the Chicago Cubs, who've got one of the oldest stadiums in baseball, is one of the oldest organizations in baseball, to have an on-premise betting facility in Wrigley Field. Yeah. So what do you, What do you think about that? Man? And that's. I think it's great. It's great. Like like you said, I'm, that's it's it's crazy to think that it actually happened. But, I mean, I'm not surprised because I do know also, like a year ago, um, the NBA, Adam Silver is huge with betting. But the right. NBA, they partnered with, like, MGM betting. Right. Um, the NFL has done it. Because they, they hated sports betting, too. Like, they didn't want to acknowledge that betting is what made the NFL so popular. But they, you know, they didn't, they didn't like it. Right. right? So the NFL, they also have a partnership with like MGM or one of these betting companies. Um, so and, and hockey as well. So like three of the major sports, they are. I mean, they're already in bed. You know what I mean? So right. when I started seeing that, that's something like that was kind of like, oh wow, like they really are embracing it now. So like right. DraftKings doing it doesn't shock me now because I, I work here and everything else. But if you would have told me back when I had interviewed Stern and I'm asking about the NBA coming here and everything else and he didn't just say he hated Vegas and betting, but we all knew that. If you would have told me then that we'd have this now, I'd be like, "There's no way in the world that's." It's crazy progressive now. Like it's it's 
I mean, it's big business. It's think about all these betting shows that you have on. You have on ESPN. Fox has it. Go right. on YahooSports.com. All these CBS. They they all have like a Jimmy the Greek kind of guy. Right. That's a that's a that's a huge deal. Huge deal. So much money. It's crazy. I like the Jimmy the Greek 1980s football reference. It's great. Uh, I remember oh, Jimmy. The, I remember Jimmy the Greek, man. I remember Jimmy the Greek, man. And Phyllis George. <laughs> Yo, man. That's those, so, yeah. And that crew. Uh, so yeah. So so do you do you think that the reason why all this is happening now is because of of the rise of and popularity of of fantasy football? I think that has a that's a big portion of it. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's a big portion of it. I mean, DraftKings wouldn't even be around if it wasn't for fantasy football, right? Right. And so, then, and, um, then, and then what do you, and then how much do you think this this little device right here has to do? Oh with man, that's huge. Because I mean, the idea is for and you you know this. The idea is for you to be able to go to uh, a Cubs game and to sit in your seat and watch the game and bet on the next inning or bet on a prop bet. I mean, that's that's. We've had Gary Bettman come and talk to people in Vegas about being able to do that from T-Mobile Arena. You're in Vegas, yeah. but, I mean, doing that anywhere, you know what I mean? Right. I guess they can do that in Europe. Like, that's something that's already common knowledge to be able to do that in Europe. So, of course, and it's all about making money. They're trying to capitalize on it. Like, of course. NBA, yeah. same thing. And, and do you think there's anything wrong with that? No, absolutely not, man. I, I Again, I don't bet, right. but... Of course, I mean, if you're if you're going to bet it, and it's not going anywhere, just like drugs isn't going anywhere. You know what I mean? So you might as well regulate it, tax right. it, get some money from it, and let them do it. And if it if it's done like that through casinos and Vegas and everything, it's going to be done on the up and up. It's not going. To, there's not going to be any funny business going on, man. They they are not having that. They are not having that. You're not going to get over on the sports book. That's right. I want to uh, I want to take I want to talk a little bit about so I'm wearing this I'm wearing this vest right here it says CNN Sports Illustrated so and we mentioned a little bit that you and I we met in in June of 2000 working at CNN Sports Illustrated so you talked a little bit about um, going back to Stern kind of missing an opportunity when we worked there it was the second biggest sports sports network ESPN <laughs> and know. they they shut they, I said they, whoever was running Turner Broadcasting at the time, yeah. decided that they didn't want to invest in sports programming anymore, which we all thought was crazy, right? So we we were there when they turned the channel off, literally. Yeah. And then I did some work for uh, Inside the NBA on TNT, and I actually won an Emmy for that. I didn't have a whole lot to do with the Emmy, but I got one. Man, I do not have one. That, yeah, got, you're the man. Got an man. Emmy. That's that's my broadcasting media claim to fame, and um, and I did some work on the Bob Costas show when we were back there, his HBO show. But they they sports goes away, and then recently, they brought Rachel Nichols back to CNN for I a remember. while. I remember. And now she's back at ESPN. So it's like, but some of the people we worked with back then, I mean, we worked with Willie Geist. I know. Right? I know. And so now Willie Geist is like a media mogul in his own right. He's got his own morning weekend show, the Sunday version of the Today Show on NBC. He's on Morning Joe. Willie used to hoop with us. Yeah, I was a shout out to <laughs> Willie Geist. 
Yeah, we used to. Yeah, was, Willie was good people. Yeah, good people, man. Good dude. Um, how big of a mistake do you think it was for Turner Broadcasting to give up the number two sports station position in, in 2002? Terrible. I mean, we can say this now. And you know what it was? It was um the merger with AOL. Right. That's that's what um that's what did them in. The merger with AOL. You remember they were building a new studio that ended up being headline news studio. That was supposed right. to be for sports, and then it ended up going away. Um, just think about this. Like you said, the talent that was working at CNN Sports Illustrated, CNNSI, the talent that was working there was insane. Insane. Yeah. Um, Tom Rinaldi. Peter King. Anna Storm used to work at CNNSI. Um, Peter Gary King. Miller. Uh, Steve Berthume. That's right. Uh, Will, what's Will's name? There's a guy who's on uh, NFL Network now that worked there. Chris, Chris, Chris um, Rose, Chris Rose, uh, Willie Geist, Peter Daniel King. Sargent. Peter King was there doing football. Peter King, yes, Peter King. You, you know who? You know who's funny that we that's still um, doing games that we just heard this weekend. Oh, Trey Mavic. Clay Mavic. Clay Mavic, Clay, I thought it was crazy. Yeah, Clay Mavic, Clay yes. Mavic. <laughs> I know, it's crazy seeing him. Clay Mavic, um, uh, Vince Cellini. Vince Cellini, Fred, Fred Hickman. Hickman. Yep. Bob Lorenz. Bob I mean, Lorenz, that's right. Yes, now, I mean, these are guys that are, like, huge, huge all over the place. You know, I mean, that's not even counting the producers that are all over the place right. producing huge stuff. Steve Becker is, like, one of the biggest producers for Fox Sports. Right. Um, Brian Clapp was a right, uh, started, started his own business, didn't he? Yes, like right. we just so like the talent that we had. There, there's a Kevin um, Kevin Miller. Uh, you probably remember him. He worked for a little bit. Kevin, he's the news director for um, Comcast uh, New England. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Like the whole. I mean, that's huge, 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 huge. Just the talent that we had there was insane. And, like, I was birthed from that talent. Like, Larry Smith, who was a guy that I loved, that's right. he was, like, a mentor to me. He's still, like, killing the game, looking the exact same age. Where is Larry now? He's still in Atlanta. Like, I, he thought was, that's who he was, I thought he was in Atlanta. But he had done some stuff in D.C. He, he's doing all kinds of work. Um, but, yeah, like you said, man, like, uh, like, them getting rid of that, I thought was a huge mistake. The... Again, the talent that we had there, Damon Fisher, like just got man, huge. Damon's with NBA TV now. Yes, yes. Yep. Um, James Dunn. Yep. Like, these are guys that are at ESPN, like doing big. James things. Moody. Man. Shout out to the shout out to the old. Of course. Early two thousands crew. Will, what's Will's last name? Will. Uh, I forget. Vanderbilt. Oh, what's he? You know, you keep in touch with him. No, but Will uh, is that was I can't remember his last name. Will Fuller. Uh, I don't think so. But Will works at ESPN as well. Okay. With Moody and those guys, like they basically CNNSI went everywhere, took over ESPN, to like everywhere. Yeah, they should have tried to. Keep, they should have kept that and then just try to make it completely separate from CNN. Yeah. So it doesn't have the news connotations. Put it over at Turner. Put it over at Turner Sports where they know how to yes. do sports because they've yes. been winning Emmys since. I, was, I think I was there the first year that Inside the NBA won an Emmy, and I believe that was in 2003. Man. And I think they've won an Emmy almost every year since, as best yeah. studio show, I think. 
Yeah. I, I mean, Craig Sager from back in the right, day. Man. Sager was the man. John O'Connor's over there doing big things. Johnny O. Johnny O. Yeah, man. It, it was. I think it was a terrible decision. That was always my goal to to go get some kind of experience and come back and work at CNNSI as an anchor back in the day. Yeah, man. yeah, that would have been that would have been smart to keep it going and to hire you back, man. What? Well, what, let's talk about social media real quick, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. So I appreciate all the time you're giving us today. I know you got kids, and I know you got a job, and you got a. We got a three-hour head start on you, but I know you got some stuff that you need to do. Uh, it, it's all good, man. Like as I've shown, I can run my mouth a little bit. I know you and I could <laughs> and talk forever, but we got. I think man. Kendrick has some stuff he needs to do too at some point. Yeah, Kendrick's like, man, just get Brian. Okay, enough, enough. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, so the other part of what I want to talk to you about today is, again, we're relatively like OGs in the media business, right? We we've been doing this for a while. We've been doing it before social media even existed, really. So um, how big of a part of your personal success is, in, I know you're a social media guy, I know that you leverage it, and I know that you also do the, the digital, um, you, you handle the digital duties for your station, Channel 3, right? Yeah. So talk about talk about how important social media is for you personally, and then how important it is from a business standpoint to communicate with your audience, to build a brand, and to get content out. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I probably, with that being said, I probably haven't done enough. You know what I mean? Like enough social media because people people have created careers and made tons of money off of social media. Um, and I, I, again, I, I don't think I probably haven't done enough, but I have tried to create my own brand or just, I use it a lot to also make contact with, with viewers and people that watch, um, just to try to, to, to let them know, like, I'm a real dude, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just a real person. I don't, I'm, I don't play a character on television. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, you're not, you wouldn't run into me in the street and think like, man, he's nothing like the guy I see on TV, you know what I mean? Like, I've, and that's always the way that I wanted to be on television, to be like the exact same person. And I kind of got that from like Fred Hickman, those like, because they, they were always just super duper cool, right? So, um, but I use it to try to, I try to get whatever message I have to the masses as, as well as best I can, you know what I mean? So, um, and it's it's part of the job, like. As far as like putting stories online, I, I know that you know that's you. If you want people to see the news and your product, then you have to put it on. It has to be on a digital platform. You know, right. you can't just put on TV and and you're the most popular person ever. Um, and as much as I'm not trying to be Stephen A. Smith, I do want to be successful in my field. You know, mm -hmm. um, not driven by ego or nothing, but. It's, you know, like I'm just like you, an athlete, former jock, um, competitive. So I, I want to be good at what I do, and all that stuff is encompassing in it, man. Like having a good Twitter following and and connecting and putting out uh, content is important to being good at your position. Um, I want people to watch my station. So I always feel like people only watch you on television if they feel like they like you in a sense or they, you know what I mean? Like, so 
I try to connect with people, man. I think it's a it's a great platform to be able to do that, man. Like I think social media used correctly and participated in correctly is a huge positive thing. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, we, we we have a we have a series of questions. They're kind of like uh, like kind of quick fire round questions that we try to ask everybody because try to make all of our interviews and converse really conversations specific to whoever we're talking to, right? Gotcha. But then we also like to kind of have just some general questions that we ask everybody, which is kind of interesting just to get get their take on some some more general things. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you with some of these. All right. What what keeps you up at night? Anything? I saw. I saw that. Good? Um, uh, I don't know, man. Like, prop, it's terrible to say problems at work. Like, if I have a problem at work, it keeps me up at night. And like, a, like a, if I'm not getting along with someone, just whatever, any kind of problems I'm having at work, sometimes that, that keeps me up at night. All right. Sure it does. What, what are you, um, what, I don't know if you're a reader or you, you're on the, on the, on the phone or, or if you're scrolling sports sites or news sites, but what kind of content are you consuming? You know, like, what are you interested in right now? What are you, what are you checking out? It could be podcasts, blogs, articles, yeah. whatever. Uh, I like to listen to, um, the breakfast club okay. on a radio station in New York. Um, That's Charlemagne, right? What's that? Is that Charlemagne? Yeah, Charlemagne, Envy, and 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 uh, Yee. I also like uh, uh, 97.5. Um, uh, what's the other? One? It's oh man, I can't remember the guy's name. But he's he's also on there. Um, Rosenberg and oh, I can't remember my guy's name. It's another one of those stations in in New York. Like I listen to a lot of that. Uh, Power how are you? How are you listening to that? I usually watch it on the computer. Like, I'll listen to it at work when I'm upstairs, like, producing a show or writing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't watch... I, I love movies, but there's not a whole lot of movies to be watched on... Te- you know what I mean? You can't go to movie theaters anymore. I don't I don't really watch a whole lot of... You know, I try not to watch a lot of television. Shannon Sharp, I love him with Skip Bayless. Shannon I'm not the biggest Skip guy, but I love Shannon, man. So I kind of consume that. You know I'm a I'm a hip hop dude still, man. Yeah. I listen to yeah. old music still. So old. something something that you don't know about Kendrick is that Kendrick went to the Super Bowl Uh-oh. in Miami, not to the game, but Uh-oh. went down to the Super Bowl to do some work for a client of ours. And and tell him what tell him where you ended up at like three in the morning, Kendrick. Uh oh. Well, we were just on a like a VIP hit everything important that where all the everybody was hanging out. So. Uh, at three in the morning, we we were in a in the in the in the nightclub that's in the bottom of the Hard Rock, uh, in it's the new one down there. Um, and Lil Wayne is Lil Wayne did his little thing, and so we were just in this in this crazy club at for like five hours, and got to see Lil Wayne from about twenty feet away. That oh, was, wow, that's dope. That was pretty cool. And I gotta say that I wasn't I wasn't a, I wasn't I wasn't feeling Lil Wayne until. Um, until I got into the editing and I was editing this video and I had to listen to this, his, his performance over and over and I was trying to find spots for it and, and it grew on me and I was like, well, actually, you know what? I'm kind of, I'm kind of liking this style. So it was a, uh, kind of a, a little, it took me a little while, but I kind of liked it. It was cool. That was the yeah. last concert you saw too, huh? Yeah, I guess that was <laughs> the last concert I saw this year. 
<laughs> was it really? Yeah. yeah. I saw Lil Wayne in Miami at 3 a.m. before before COVID hit. Oh, that's yeah. right. You talking about that's just recently? I guess. Yeah, that was this year. Yeah. That's crazy. That was Lil this year. Wayne. Lil Wayne, man. So who who's like your favorite group, Kendrick? Like who do you listen to? I mean, just again, before the whole Lil Wayne thing. Oh man, I I like I like um, I like punk rock. And, and rock and roll, so I'm like, like bands that come out of a garage and, and have an angsty attitude, man. That's what I like. So were you a big big grunge dude back in the day? Like, did you do like the whole Nirvana and the... No, no I skipped the grunge. I didn't like the grunge that much. That. Like, I, I listened to it a little bit, but I went into like um, Green Day, Blink-182, and, and okay. pop-punk. California, okay. California yeah, pop-punk. Offspring and... I know Green Day. Blink One Eighty Two isn't that super popish. I would think that someone that liked punk would hate Green or not Green Day. Blink One Eighty Two. They would think they were like little softies or whatever. Yeah, so. they pretty much are, but they're still fun. <laughs> they're still fun. And I'm definitely not soft, as I'm definitely not Kendrick as like soft side too. He's not all he's not all hard punk rock. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's got he's got a soft side. And and Lil Wayne. Yeah, and now Lil Wayne. So, little, I say, I say, little Wayne. Yeah, little. <laughs> I think I do too. I think. So we're gonna get back. I'm gonna get back on our list. What, yes. what business advice would you give your younger self if you could? Man, oh man, oh man. The biggest thing I would, man, I would save money and buy some property, man. Buy some property. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice yes. right there. Yes. That's good advice. What yeah. about um I know that I know that you're a you're you're not like a keep to yourself guy, you're a very social guy. Are you involved in any community organizations, any nonprofit groups? Do you do stuff with like the the kids in town? Are you involved in any youth sports activities that you want to talk about? Um I'm not necessarily. Uh what I do do is um, anytime that like someone has like they want me to speak at a school to kids, inner city, just wherever, or reading, just any of that kind of stuff. Like I'm I'm always game. I do that kind of stuff. I don't have a particular group that I just work with, but uh, like I did, I emceed the MLK parade here in Vegas, which is something that's been going on for like 20 years or something like that. Like I, I do anytime any anything like that, I'm always willing to do talk to kids work with but i don't have a specific organization that i work with what what's your message to the kids when you talk one when is, you um, well one is the whole stay in school deal but never be afraid to pursue your dreams like that's like the biggest thing like don't be afraid of success you know what i mean like you're scared to try to accomplish something because you know Man, you could be successful. Like, don't be scared. Don't be scared to try to go after what you want. Um, and you can do anything you want. Like, I truly believe that. Like, if you put your mind to it, you know, you can. I mean, geez, I'm I'm on TV in Las Vegas, man. I started say, in Missoula, Montana. You know what big I mean? Time, man. You big time. You got your own billboard. Uh, I, don't, I think they took them down because people they hate. It was me and the whole news team. It wasn't just me. So okay, I want the next time you if, did you did you post a picture of that on? I, need I to do. See that. I, I'll find the link because I, I have it I on. I want to see that. Uh, we're gonna put that. We're gonna put that in the video version of the podcast. <laughs> you gotta send it to us. 
I have like the link on my my Instagram. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Sanitary. Okay. So the, our last question is for everybody that we talked to: Is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you want to talk about? Nah, man. I, I probably talked about a million things that you didn't want to talk about. <laughs> um, nah, man. I, I can't really. I can't really think of anything. Just the fact that um, you know what? I'll say this, and I, I have said it, and maybe I shouldn't, whatever. But um, we we talked a little bit about just like race and how it how it plays a part in in sports, but I mean it still plays a huge part in in business and work. And I don't know if you heard me say this or if I glossed over it, the fact that. There's, I'm the only black man that's on television in Las Vegas. So think about what I like. Think about that. Like doing news, reporting, anchoring. It's just just me, just me, which is absurd. Um, so for it, that, I just say that to say one. There's plenty of qualified people that could be doing news reporting or weather, right. just whatever right. that hasn't been hired. Thankful for my station for hiring me, but. To think that it's um, it's everything is is all equal and everything is all the same and people are all judged on their merit. Um, we still haven't gotten there yet, folks. You know what I mean? Like we still haven't gotten there. I don't necessarily think that news directors out here saying I'm not going to hire someone because they are black. I absolutely don't think that's the case. But it still is the fact that. <laughs> How can you, you can't have one black man on television in a city of Las Vegas doing that's, that's, all the that's crazy, man. That's yeah. absolutely crazy, right? Because you got people coming to Las Vegas from all over the world. You have a lot of non-white people that live in Las Vegas, right? That are mostly make up most of the essential, right, the essential workers, right? Yeah, the I mean, people that are that are making all these casinos stay open. Um, of course, and, yeah. And I mean, that, that surprises, man. That's that really, really surprises me, man. Crazy. You're the only, only black person on TV in Las Vegas. That seems crazy. For the two years I've been at the station I'm at now, not a single one. Man, man. We have some black women that are at my station, and there's you're the only black man Is on right? TV at all the stations. Well, only black man on TV in Las Vegas. That's, that's what crazy. we're gonna call. We, we 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 title all of our podcasts, and that's gonna be the title of this one. <laughs> the only black man on TV in Las Vegas, Brian Salmon. Yeah, News that's Three, crazy. baby. Thank News Three. Like we have we have a very diverse station. So like my station has done a great job of being like behind the scenes, in front of the cameras, whatever. It's very 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 diverse. So huge shout out to General Manager Larry Strumwasser and. Uh, Stephanie Wheatley, my news director, for for doing that. It's just, you know, women everywhere, people of color, very diverse. Hey, we all just want things to be equal, man. Nothing wrong with equality. Nothing wrong with equality. That's right. There's nothing wrong yeah. with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, hey man, I, I love talking to you, dude. And we could do this for several more hours, but we can't. We, You and I can. We get on the phone. We'll do it more. But yes. um, before we before we say goodbye and sign off, how can people connect with you and follow you? Tell, tell yes. them in your so, social media. Info. Yes. And, and please do, man, if you, if you use my name like a super or something, man. It's um, uh, My Twitter handle is Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, News 3LV. Brian News 3LV. That's my Twitter handle. 
that's my um, Instagram handle. And um, I'm also I also have a, a a public business Facebook account, which is Brian Salmon. So you can follow me and all that stuff. Holler at me if you if you like what I had to say, even if you didn't. Like again, like I I I talk to people that don't like me just as much. Like I, I try to reply to every bad email I get, um, and I try not to go off. I have to fight myself not to say anything stupid. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, I, I really appreciate you joining us. Be you know I love you man. Be good out there. Hey, also happy anniversary to you and Ashley. Thank you. you celebrated your two year anniversary. You get two beautiful beautiful daughters. So. Uh, happy for you, man. Real happy for you, dude. Love talking to you. My guy, man. So You've always been my dude, man. I appreciate you inviting me on, like seriously. And I hope I didn't do too much babbling, man, because I was going ridiculously talking. So uh, you're, you're great, thank you man. for having me on, That's man. Great. Nice to meet you too, Kendrick, man. I, I heard about you, my man. So good to meet you too, man. Great, yeah. great interview.